From Wall Street to Main Street, there are stories to be told. Where knowledge learned on the street is as powerful as knowledge learned on the streets. This is the Financial Recon Podcast, where we introduce you to the people, places, and things that have helped shape our environment and will help shape yours. Welcome to the conversation. Disney. That name makes some people excited while others just shudder. But the fact is, a Disney vacation has seemingly become almost a rite of passage for most families. With Disney World getting ready to celebrate its 50th anniversary on October 1st, I wanted to bring on one of the authorities on all things Disney. Rob Whiteside of WDWNT and the show Park Center. Rob dives into the dizzying amount of changes that have occurred in the past year and a half with Disney and how those will impact your experience going forward. Rob, thanks a lot for joining us today on uh, the Financial Recon Podcast. I am stoked to have a Disney guru like yourself on here with the 50th anniversary and everything. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I would say guru, but I definitely have what I like to call a Disney problem. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of us out there. And, you know, just start it. Let's start off with like, you know, it's the 50th anniversary. And what does that mean to, you know, like a lot of the folks with the Disney problem? Well, I think we all want to be there, right? I mean, you know, I think when COVID first hit and, you know, back at D23, the Disney convention that they hold in Anaheim uh, every two years in 2019, they announced a lot of stuff they'd be doing for the 50th. And then when, you know, COVID hit in uh, 2020 and obviously went on longer than we thought it would, we were all kind of wondering, what are we actually going to get uh, for the 50th? A lot of the projects were put on hold. A lot of the, you know, things like the Tron roller coaster that should have been there for the for the 50th is not going to be there. So I think a lot of us had questions of what will this 50th look like? Well, you know, will it be the 50th that, you know, that Disney World deserves? And I think most of us who grew up on the East Coast and have fallen in love with vacationing on Disney property, uh, you know, this is a special place for us. And I knew years ago that on the 50th, on October 1st, I wanted to be in the Magic Kingdom. And right now I have a park pass to do that. So I'm glad it's open. Uh, Again, it's not quite what we hoped it would be as far as I think we thought, you know, as I mentioned, Tron would be open, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the Cosmic Rewind at Epcot would be open. And we're going to get a few things. Uh, You know, we're getting Space 220, the new restaurant in Epcot. We're getting uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure in France with the French expansion. Uh, and then we're also getting, um, you know, 50 uh, golden character statues, which not 50 <laughs> statues, but 50 golden characters. So, I mean, that's something. I mean, I think we joke a lot on, on our shows about like what Disney's actually bringing to the table versus what we feel like should have been done. But it looks like it's shaping up to be a good one. Yeah. You know, I, I find uh, maybe I'm maybe a little more invested in this because i was at the shareholder meeting i don't know if you were i know you used to live here in raleigh i don't know if you were at that oh i was there yeah yeah when uh when uh they made that announcement that oh we're headed to disney world the next day and the next day they shut it down yeah um that was kind of surreal to 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 hear that 
obviously the 50th anniversary COVID have prompted a lot of changes, a lot of changes. Yeah. And, um, I know like on your show park center on WDWNT, like you guys talk about this kind of like a sum up of the past couple of weeks, because you know, I, I I'm a avid watcher 5%. of the show. What would you say? Probably like the big, the big three changes that, you know, people are talking about right now. <laughs> only three? Is that where we're being held to? Well, well, no, no, we're no. not. We're, it's not a hard three. <laughs> no, that's fine. So, you know, I, if you watch the show, you know that from the beginning when I was a panelist before I was a host, I've always been very positive on Disney. I was a cast member back in the day. Uh, I worked at Epcot. Um, I love the company. I, I, you know, I spend so much of my money with this company. And so, uh, you know, I was at the shareholder meeting because I do have, you know, I have a few shares, not, not enough, but some and enough to be in there. And uh, and you know that's why I love working with this uh, this you know WDWNT because it's a group of like minded people that are passionate that are fans and a lot of them I think you know are more likely to be a little bit down on Disney I'm usually very up on Disney however there is a lot you know I, I, I want to wait and see you know with something like Harmonious which is the new Epcot nighttime show that will kick off on October first. The large barges that they've put in uh, the World Showcase Lagoon are just horrifying because they're so huge. They're an eyesore during the day. Uh, but, you know, I'm like, wait and see. I mean, this could be the best nighttime show we've ever seen. And, uh, you know, they may have a plan. You know, I, I put a lot of faith in them. And at the same time, they're really trying that, like, that positivity that I have uh, <laughs> with some of the changes that they've made recently. And, and I guess, you know, one of the bigger ones that we talked about on Park Center uh, and talked about across WDWNT is the um, you know this new Lightning Lane paid fast pass, and it was something that you know in talking to uh, Tom Corliss, who is the CEO of, of WDWNT, all along he you know he kind of saw this coming. He was like you know they closed the parks in March of 2020. When they opened them up in July in Florida, and then this past March in. Uh, in um, in Anaheim or April, uh, when they opened them back up, they didn't have Fast Pass, and you could blame some of that on COVID to say, well, you know, we're still trying to figure things out. But I think we've seen the writing on the wall that they've wanted to do some sort of a paid Fast Pass system. And when this came out, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of a shock to all of us. We're I'm already frustrated with the virtual queue system. The fact that, you know, it's so complicated that the average person who is going to Disney has to really be like have a master's in Disney to understand how to get into the freaking park and ride a ride. And so when you look at the fact that you have to have a park pass, I hate the park pass system because as someone who has an annual pass, I'd like to go whenever I want. But you can't because you have to have a park pass for the specific park that you want to be in. And that, and those go pretty quickly for Hollywood Studios. Then if you do get one for Hollywood Studios, you've got to get up at 6.55 in the morning on your vacation, which I don't like getting up early anyway and on my vacation, Lord. So you get up at 6.55 and you try your best to get a Rise of the Resistance virtual queue and to get into the queue. And it happens, you know, right now it's been slower because of, you know, a resurgence in COVID and uh, it's a downtime for Disney anyway. It's been a little bit easier to get one, but normally they would go in seconds. And so if your whole vacation relied on you getting to ride this well-touted attraction, 
and you get up in the morning and you wake up to disappointment in the fact you weren't able to secure a uh, a virtual queue, you can't go and stand by and wait. It's done, you know. And most people can only get one park pass for Hollywood Studios per trip because of how hard they are to get. So it's really frustrating to me that the average Disney park goer is going to be up against so many problems with that. But then you you bring in the fact that now they have this fast pass system that is not fast pass because it's called Lightning Lane because it's, you know, if they called it fast pass, then they'd have to admit that they were charging you for what you were originally getting for free. This is something new because they've sunset fast pass, this new thing, Lightning Lane. Boy, how are you going to love this? If you don't get into the virtual queue, you can pay to get into the attraction, which you're already paying quite a lot of money to get into a Disney park. It's an average of $120 a ticket per day. And so then to be able to have to you know get food for your family, and then now you're going to have to pay for the Genie Plus system, which is separate from Lightning Lane, really. Uh, the Genie Plus system will get you into a Lightning Lane on an attraction, but not the ones you want to be on, not Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, not Web Slingers in California, not uh, not Radiator Springs Racers, the big e-ticket attractions. And so that, to me, back to your original question, that's the one thing that I think is really a thorn in my side is the fact that they make it difficult to get on these attractions, and now they're going to offer you, out of the kindness of their heart, the ability to pay to get on it. Oh, yeah. I, I totally agree. I've, I've been uh, kind of saying this on Twitter recently is I have, you know, we're a family of five. So for a week, I think I did the math. It comes out to like another $525 if you get the genie every day for the right. week. And then starting after what, January sec, uh, January 1st, you're going to have to pay for the, uh, Magic Express, so that could be. I mean, you could almost push up your bill a thousand dollars if you wait till after January first. Yeah, and and the fact that you know I, I'm okay with there not being Fast Pass right now because it's mm-hmm. it's the same for everyone. Everyone goes just like in the old days and just waits in line, and you <laughs> you get on the attraction you want to get on, and you know if it's if it's something like you know the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, you may have to wait two hours, but everyone's waiting two hours. I don't know how you explain to a small child that why are those people passing us? Well, because they paid to get through. I mean that that just doesn't seem right. And at least when they charged, so the Genie Plus system is you pay for the ability to have basically fast pass back and you can do it one reservation at a time but it doesn't include the big ticket uh attractions have you heard anything why they didn't include that like just roll it into the ticket or the price and just you know what i here here's my thing and again i mentioned as a cast member is that when when it's nine o'clock and the park's closing anyone is who is in line by you know a Disney you know the Disney unwritten rule, anyone who is in a queue will be able to ride that attraction. So if you get to something like say Flight of Passage and it's 9 p.m. at uh, Animal Kingdom and it's closing, you're in the queue. You're going to ride. Now an attraction like Rise of the Resistance that can't handle that capacity because they can't promise the ability to ride that attraction. And so what they do is they limit it with the virtual queue. So I do think it's a supply and demand situation. The problem is they created the supply. Then, And this is something, again, that we've talked about is that that attraction is amazing, and it's the one that, you know, the, the marquee attraction for their Star Wars land. But 
when they created it, the capacity is so low that they can't fit enough people into, you know, to do that attraction. So we, we're going to see with Web Slingers in California and with Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, they're going to be on virtual queue and they will be a, you know, a, a paid lightning lane. But I think the problem is you just can't let everyone on and that's horrible. I mean, it's horrible that there's that extra level and that you may not be able to get on the one attraction you want to get on. And they don't even give you the option to stand in line. Right. What does that do to the experience for a child, you know, like, or a family or what yeah. have you? So I, I have a f- similar feeling. What's your What's your next one? Uh, annual passes. Uh, and again, that sounds very elitist because, you know, not everyone carries an annual pass. Uh, and again, I'm not a local um, to, to Florida or to Anaheim, but the annual pass system, um, it, it just, I, I feel like it's lacking and it's, you know, in California, I do understand why they had to sunset the old annual pass system and bring up this new magic key because they really, it was an unfair advantage to the park goer and not the company, but they had kind of, they couldn't really raise it to the level that they wanted to raise it. Um, now that they've done this though, they're charging, Fourteen hundred dollars for, uh, I guess thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars for their top tier pass, and it includes parking, but it doesn't include you know the Genie Plus. You'd have to pay extra for that, and it doesn't include Lightning Lane. You'd have to pay extra for that. And when you're paying that much money and you still don't get everything, and on top of that, you can't go anytime you want. Uh, it doesn't have blackout dates on that high pass, but it does have these park reservations, and the park reservations being there. Um, you know, would be my number three because the park reservation system, my understanding of it originally as as a consumer was that when they put the park reservation system into play, it was only supposed to be there to help manage the parks through the pandemic. Now right. they're using it as a tracking system to see where people are going to be, and it's here for the long run. And if you buy that top-tier pass at Disneyland, you can carry with you six park reservations. Well, what if your family likes to go at Christmas, so you're going to go ahead and get those ahead of time, and then maybe you get one ahead of time for Thanksgiving. Now you only have only a couple to play with. That that's it. When you're paying that much money, you shouldn't be limited to that level. And so park pass system in general, not only do I think it's an unfair thing when you're paying that much money, but I also think – Again, to the to the layman, the Disney person that goes once a year or once every other year, once in a lifetime, I don't know how they don't just their heads don't explode. And the thing with the annual passes, as I understand it, is unless you're a Florida resident, you're pretty much ex- you're restricted to like one, right, one tier. Yeah. Well, the the one in Florida. The one in California, I don't think so. But the one okay. in Florida, you are restricted. And they, those go on sale uh, tomorrow. Uh, well, I, whenever this airs, but September 8th, they go yeah. on sale. And so uh, when they go on sale, that's going to be the new standard. And if you are out of state, you have to buy the Increda Pass. And the Increda Pass is $1,300, but it doesn't include Genie Plus, and it doesn't include a Lightning Lane. And now, on top of that, it doesn't include something that used to be standard, which is PhotoPass. So right. I'm not necessarily yeah. going to pay that extra $100 for PhotoPass, but it was a nice perk to have when it was on there. So, I mean, that that's, that's frustrating. And the fact that I actually have a Disney Vacation Club, and they used to give a discount for Disney Vacation Club. Now they don't. And then on top of that, if you have small children, you used to be able to have a child's price ticket for an, uh, annual passes. Now they don't have that either. So not only is it an increase with less features, but it's also more expensive in several categories. 
Yeah, and I I didn't even think about the child pass thing. As a as a Disney fan, I just feel like nickel and dime. Yeah. You know? I get with the pandemic everybody's gotten hit and so forth, but the the magic is to me is starting to be replaced with a price tag. I don't know. Well, and you know, I we again, we talked about this on the show that we know that Disney is not a charity, but at the same time, we have certain expectations in that brand and right. you know, we pay a premium already. That's the thing is we pay a premium already and the ticket price that I paid for my annual pass before when once they opened back up after covid there were not there were not a ton of um you know uh, there were not a ton of entertainment offerings because they got rid of most of those some of those are coming back but those were pulled park hopping freedoms were pulled at first you couldn't park up and now you can only park up after 2 p.m. uh and then they uh, they put in these these passes so you have to get a park pass, which means you can't go whenever you want. But they didn't lower my price when they did all that. They they took away a bunch, but they didn't add anything back, and they didn't give me a discount. Yeah, and like the one thing, like, I, and I see on your, you know, the WDWNT website is we we get these announcements of, you know, and again, I, I try to be positive about sure. it, like you, but like these last couple have really, really just like been like a shot to the chest because like i said you add that up that's another seven fifty thousand so dollars or so forth but like you go to your uh to the website the wdwnt website like you see the monorail breaking down constantly (laughs) right (laughs) i mean which was by the way the video of that and how they by the time they got the cherry picker up there was pretty funny that they had towed it back already if i'm gonna see price increases on things i want to see improvements yeah and you know you had mentioned the fact that you know everyone's hit by uh the pandemic but disney backed in their parks anyway they backed away from a lot of their um their costs so like the reflections hotel that was being built they they paused that grassed it over that's not going to be built they canceled a lot of projects to help to save that money and when they opened the parks people started coming back quickly. And so I think that they, they're starting to see now that it, they're breaking even. But now all of these things, like you said, it's been like one body shot after another with, hey, you know, here's Magic Key in Disneyland and it's going to be more expensive and it's not going to have all these features. And hey, here's Genie Plus and then, you know, we're getting rid of Fast Passes and then Lightning Lane and then now you're going to have, you know, the, the new pass system in Florida – it just seems like it's just been one after the next after the next. And the show that we have, you know, we like to give park news, but at the same time we talk about topics. And I'd like it to be, you know, more positive, but everything that seems to come up seems to be just one more body shot at each time. And the last episode that we uh, that we just had, we kind of, you know, talked about the the pass system and or the the new annual pass system in florida the time before that we kind of talked about a bunch of things that are a problem uh and some of it is staffing issues that they don't have enough staff and that's kind of a you know across the country has been a problem but you know even so we're not getting a discount uh but we're having to wait longer because they don't have a staff and i i really feel like that's just they're continuing to uh, put the screws to their loyal fan base. And that's the thing about Disney is it's really kind of about the loyal fan base. And and right. you don't get a bunch of new people all the time. 
unless you incorporate LucasArts and Lucasfilm and and Pixar and all these other companies, which you're not you know you're not going to see a lot of that moving forward, I don't think. Um, but once you've you know got that fan base, you're you're hurting them, and so they really need to fix this. And I don't know how they can do that at this point, um, you know, unless they really kind of step up with something. And maybe the 50th celebration will whitewash all of that. I don't know. So feel free to just tell me to to shut up here on this part. I've been investing for, jeez, uh, I hate to say this, like tw- uh, 22 years. And... Uh, or actually 23 years. And I remember when I was in my infancy and in investing, Disney was going through that power changeover where Eisner was very much, he his time had run out. Roy Disney was leading the charge with that. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. Save the, the cook. Save, save the cook. Save Disney.com, yeah. Yeah, save, save the cookie <laughs> is what he had, had these bumper stickers and everything. You know, they went through with it, and I remember them hiring Bob Iger and being like, this guy, his bio, like, wow, like, this might be a good acquisition or a good hire. And then, you know, you read his biography, and I always remember telling my now wife when they brought him on, I was like, man, if he, the first thing he needs to do is talk to Pixar and that was, you know, we know the rest. He, him and Steve Jobs ironed out a deal, and the rest is kind of history. But when you look back at the Disney archives, like with Disney Plus, with the uh, the miniseries they have on the history of the company, you know, it seems like we go through these ebbs and flows with the leadership. Do you think we may be with Chapek? Like, Iger was so brilliant and you know, a commanding personality. Do you think, you know, we may be on the other side of the hill now? <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way. You were at that shareholder meeting and they were both there, Bob Iger and yeah. Bob, Bob Chapek. Bob Iger really presents himself as a man in control and a, 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 a he's very comforting. And you just Absolutely. feel like, hey, this guy, this guy, you know, he gets it. He's got the good answers. Bob Chapek seems like he's a, not there. I mean, to put it to put it kindly, he seems like he is not there. So um, disconnected, I would say 100 percent. Yeah, absolutely. And so I feel like Bob Iger had that passion. I think Michael Eisner had that passion. And I would, you know, I think in a lot of cases, I defend Michael Eisner because the Disney decade where they went, you know, from zero to 60 and building parks and building hotels and all a lot of what we have today, we owe to that Disney decade. Oh, yeah. No slam on Eisner by any insinuation. But but his time, it's just, you know, like even with us, right? People get tired of us. So, you know, sometimes you need to change. That doesn't sound accurate. Um, I, I, I would say, though, with with you know with Michael Eisner that his things started going a little wonky for him when Frank Wells died uh, and I think right. they talk about that in in the documentary yeah. and I think you're talking about the Imagineering story but <clears throat> in that they talk about you know like how things changed for him but he also you know there was a lot of investments that seemed like they were going to be good that didn't work out and so I think he's remembered unfortunately for that kind of tapered off legacy rather than the legacy that he and and Frank had because I think that legacy was very similar to the Walton Roy legacy that be, you know that got us to where they were at that point and Michael Eisner came in at a time when there was a, a you know a chance of a hostile takeover and helped to really save things and I think that was really good and then when Bob Iger came on 
I think a lot of the things he did were good, but I feel like the the Pixar deal that Eisner had in front of him wasn't the right deal, and I think that's why he wasn't going to take it. Um, I look at that deal from what I know, and it certainly wasn't in the boardroom, but they wanted to get all of the IP back into their own hands and just have Disney distribute for them. And so when they had made so much money with things like the theme park attractions and the toys and all that kind of stuff, there was really, you know, it was really a disadvantage to them to make that deal. But the deal of bringing Jobs on board, bringing John Lasseter on board, you know, that that Bob Iger put together, I think, was the right move to do. And I'm glad that that's part of the company. It would have been very sad to see Pixar either go on its own or go with somebody else. Um, and I think it, you know, it it belonged with Disney at that point. And so I'm glad of that merger. I'm glad, you know, as a Star Wars fan, I'm glad that, that Lucasfilm became part of the Disney family. And I'm glad that we also, you know, have Marvel, obviously. And so those were all great things that Bob Iger brought to the table. The the $74 billion spent for uh, Fox is the one that I think may or may not come back as a problem someday because they're not using that IP to its to its potential. Um, right. And so that that's the most they spent. They spent like four billion on I think uh, on Lucas and maybe four billion on Marvel, which you know have paid off immensely. <laughs> but seventy four billion, you've got a lot to do now. Obviously, Disney Plus was huge for them, especially during the pandemic. That was their one place that made them a lot of money when they did their kind of virtual shareholder call. Uh, you know, at the end of twenty twenty, they rolled out basically just. You know, uh, just to direct to consumer, um, you know, movies and TV shows. So, you know, they know that's their bread and butter. But again, the Fox products and the Fox catalog, you don't see a ton of that on Disney Plus because it is a Disney, it is a family friendly platform. Disney Plus is. So you've got you've got a lot of things like Alien that you can't put on there. Now maybe you put it on Hulu, but it kind of gets lost. I feel like there needs to be some some better use of that. And I honestly, I've said this before on Park Center, I feel like they should give Universal a run for their money at Halloween Horror Nights and do something like that at Hollywood Studios with all of the Fox IP that they have because it is a deep bench. They could do a lot of stuff with that. They could do another version at Christmas that has Home Alone and a lot of stuff like that. And it would be... Oh, Cool. It would fit in that park to be able to do those events there. So I think that if they can figure out a way to recoup all that money uh, that they spent on that, I think every I think everything that Ira did was great. Except, yeah, I think where we are now is a little bit more questionable. I think we, as as WDWNT and maybe even all Disney Parks fans, saw Josh Tomorrow, the head of uh, the head of Parks Resorts and Experiences, uh, as like this like shiny knight, and then when. He was explaining fast pass, uh, you know, changing into lightning lane. It sounded very elitist and very like, you know, let them eat cake. And it really kind of turned us a little bit where we had been such a huge fan before. So I, I don't know. It's just very frustrating right now. And I don't know if any leadership would have been successful with a pandemic uh, transition like this. But a lot mm-hmm. of the things they've done feel like they have kind of gone back to the you know cost cutting and and it and it feels like we're paying the price well i agree with you rob about the raleigh annual meeting because it looked like like papa taking junior out to give him (laughs) his first uh shareholder meeting you know what i mean it was it was interesting you know if i had to put money on it today i would have said tomorrow might be the future ceo and I, st- he still may be. I, I just wonder 
because he moved around pretty quick. So it would be interesting. Well, to I see. mean, I, you never know. I mean, I thought John Lasseter may someday be the CEO, and of course, things went a little south for him. Um, but because, you know, he seemed like that creative type, like Walt was and, you know, great presenter and storyteller and all of those things. And so, you know, Josh DeMauro seems to honestly, truly care about the guests and the, um, and the cast. And so maybe that is the case and maybe that will happen. I, I don't know. I think when he came on board, we thought, oh, this is going to change how parks works. But when you still have to report to the big guy, that right. you, there's very little you can do, at, you know, at the end of the day about the money and, and you know, what you're going to be getting. We feel like they've, you know, kind of taken some of these great ideas they've had for Star Wars Land, for Toy Story Land, and for, you know, even Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, and then very much stripped them of the original Imagineering plan and are giving us kind of a lesser version of of what we could have had. And so when you see that view of the possible, when you get to see mm-hmm. the plans and when you get to hear, you know, the stories of what was going to happen and then you see what actually did happen, it can be it, it, it's that kick to the gut again sometimes. But that's that's straight like that's why I feel like you know, we go back to that imagineering uh program yep. and it seems like the company goes through these flows every so many years they start to get away from that secret sauce <laughs> right. and you know they revert they'll revert to something they go through a period and then they go through this incredible period of innovation you know i hope calm down and i hope they'll put the experience first and foremost and um you know we won't get another price increase in the next 24 hours. I mean, uh. <laughs> don't put that out into the universe, Mike. I know, man. It's it's crazy. So I got to ask, though, when do you think we're ever going to see new monorails? Oh, my God. So, you know, in, in D23 2017, they announced a Main Street expansion with a Main Street theater that was supposed to be coming to the Magic Kingdom uh, in Orlando. And okay. and they didn't say what was going to be in it, but they were, they were going to build basically a parallel street um, – that would be off of Main Street that would allow more traffic flow. They would have this huge theater that could have something in it. And I, that was random. Like, I wasn't expecting that. I don't think many of us were expecting that to be one of the announcements. Uh, you know, with us, we have mm-hmm. uh, we, we hear a lot of things and people tell us a lot of things. And so when we go into D23, we kind of know what they're going to roll out. Um, but when they rolled that out, I'm not sure we saw that coming and we didn't really know it was going to be in it. And they ended up removing that from the schedule. And our thought at the time was that that money is being reallocated for monorails because of how much they needed new monorails. These monorails have been on on the system decades longer than they, than they should have been. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's sad to me because, and I've said this on Park Center a bunch, is that when, I, when I'm, you know, when I think of Disney World and my experiences, I think of the monorail system. The, Absolutely. The old Disneyland, uh, you used to drive up before they added, you know, California Adventure. You used to drive up into a parking lot, and you were just right outside the gates. With Florida, you had this great reveal as you would get onto the monorail and come around the corner and see the contemporary and, you know, the Magic Kingdom in the in the distance. And it was just very magical. And mm-hmm. that that monorail has been that symbol for me and i back in the day when i used to be able to go and sit up front and and then you know bring my kid and have him sit up front they don't do that anymore for safety reasons but uh, all of that was just an incredible experience and something you look forward to now 
I, I don't really care too much about the monorail because it just seems like uh, a almost like I almost hate to say it, but it almost feels like a bus. Um, and yeah. and and now you know I prefer. And I think I'm one of the few people on WDWNT who does, but I prefer the Skyliner. I think it's a very efficient form of, of travel. We kind of give them a hard time that it was a cheap way out rather than the money it would have taken to run new monorail track. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I enjoy the, the uh, Skyliner experience, especially if you're staying at something like the Pop Century Resort. You take one over to the, the hub at the uh, Caribbean Beach and then take it over to Epcot or to um, – Hollywood Studios, and it drops you off right at the gate. It's the closest thing to the gate. Uh, it's you know, it's fast, it's quick, it's clean. You know, I, I I really like that system. I just wish they would do something better with the monorail. Uh, you know, Tokyo just bought new monorails, and, and they didn't even need them as much as we need them in Florida. But they yet they bring them off the line. They give them uh, you know a new interior wall uh, carpet, and then they put them back on the line. And yet, you know, they're they're stalling out. Uh, they're dropping things off of them. Uh, the doors break. It's just it's it needs to happen. I just don't know when it will happen. Yeah, I just wonder with the premium resorts, you know, how you're going to command that type of top dollar. That some, I mean, some of these places are asking. You know, yeah, it it's a lot of money, and you know those resorts, the the monorail resorts that are around the Magic Kingdom, the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, and the Contemporary have always been kind of like you know the the big show when it comes to resorts, and you know they're renovating uh, the Polynesian. It's just about complete. It looks it looks great, but they're adding Moana rooms. I don't know that you needed to do that. I mean, it's nice. You know, I, if I had all well, the rooms needed to be redone, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. But like, you know, they're adding Incredibles to the uh, to the contemporary. contemporary. I don't think yeah. they needed to. I think it was fine on its own. Um, but you know, you know, like you said, they needed to renovate anyway. They probably thought if they could do this, it might plus it out. But now that means they might start charging even more for those. Yeah, see, don't it's like Beetlejuice. Don't give them, an, don't say it three times, right? You know. Um, oh, I don't think I need to give them that idea. I'm sure they already have that. <laughs> so with with the fiftieth on October first at Disney World, what is what is the one thing you're looking forward to the most that day? You know what? I, I that's that's a great question. Like I don't even know what I'm looking forward to other than just being there. You know, right. <clears throat> um, you know there there's going to be a new fireworks show. Uh, enchantment that's going to be happening at the Magic Kingdom that night. That'll be the first time people get to see it. Um, I'm going to miss Happily Ever After, but I'm going to have that optimism that Enchantment will be an upgrade because I loved Wishes that came before it, but I love Happily Ever After too. And so hopefully this will be an upgrade when they do that. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Just looking forward to, I think, being there. And I think a lot of times when you're there for those days, they have a lot of, you know, they'll have a a presentation or a speech. You know, those are the things that I like to do. I was uh, in Hollywood Studios for the 30th, and there was a little parade, and they made speeches. And then they had merch that was special for the day, which I'm a sucker for merch, man. I I just, like, (laughs) I I, I shouldn't be. And, you know, I need to talk to you about my financial planning so that I can stop spending money on Disney's wishables and uh, 
popcorn buckets we, and all we that gotta, kind of stuff. We just got to budget it out, man. That's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing, you know, if they bring something special to the table. But, you know, I've wanted to be in the Magic Kingdom on that day. And it's also Epcot's birthday, too. But, you know, Epcot's 40th will be, you know, after that. Um, and so that might be a yeah. completely different celebration. But I don't know that I've been in the Magic Kingdom um, on October 1st. I know I've been at Disney on October 1st because I was there for the final uh, illuminations at Epcot. And then also the next night was the first Epcot forever. But you're going to have, you know, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure is in previews right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And the France expansion is in previews right now. That'll be open that day. Space 220 restaurant I mentioned, that's going to be open that day. Um, and then there'll there'll be some other little things. We're hoping to see uh, the Coco scene added to the uh, Mickey's Philhar Magic for that day. It's already in uh, Disneyland now. So, I mean, there are little things like that they're bringing to the table. These new uh, statues, uh, Mickey and his iridescent uh, outfit, the new lights on all of the park icons, all of those things are going to happen. But it would be so much better if we were getting to ride Tron, if we were getting to ride, you know, Cosmic Rewind, if we were seeing Moana's Journey of Water at Epcot, you know, all the oh, yeah. all these things that were, you know, praised and promised back in the day, and now you know they're they're just under construction. I'm sure they'll talk about them and kind of take credit for the fact that they're coming soon. Well, I know on your show this week. Um the crepery was mentioned and that man that if that's the same one that was there that place is awesome <laughs> oh yeah the booth that was out in front you mean uh the the little french uh, uh you know quick serve restaurant yeah um that that place was awesome well i mean so any, any expansion to epcot's going to be great you know they have they have oh yeah they have 24 pads and they've only used you know they they still have room to expand and i wish they would do more um you know i like the fact that they're doubling france but i wish there would be some of the other pavilions we've heard uh, like rumored like the brazil pavilion i wish they would do those things and have there be more there i don't know that it financially makes sense for them to do and plus with all the construction projects they have going on right now uh i don't know i i i would love i my original dream was that on the 50th they would have rolled out hey guys everything's great we've got all this new stuff but guess what we're we're building a fifth theme park here and you know get ready um, that would have been great. Uh, I think it needs to be. I think there needs to be another park there. Um, but uh, like Zootopia or something. Well, no, I, I think uh, I think they need to do a Zootopia Land in uh, in Animal Kingdom over where uh, Conservation Station is. Rafiki's Planet okay. Watch. They've got space that they used when or that they could use when they only made Collie River Rapids half the size it was supposed to be. They've got space over there. They can do that. But I, I I want there to be a fifth park, and I don't know what that fifth park would look like. Whether it would be Fox Properties, Villains, Sports, uh, you know, Pixar, Star Wars. I don't know what that fifth park would be. But I want there to be another park because we have twenty six resort hotels there, and you know, and all the locals. And when the place is at capacity, it is so overcrowded. They need to have another place for people to be. That's just, I mean, that's just me. Plus the fact that Universal has, you know, a new park that they've already started building uh, right down the road. So uh, maybe once they get that off the ground, Disney will wake up and say, "Hey, maybe we do need a new park." Well, they've been buying up land too, right? Um, Disney, uh, 
I guess I read something that they've been buying uh, land outside, like, the Floridian area and all that. Well, I know they're going to do a campus, uh, an East Coast campus for some of their uh, their management. So, I mean, that may be some of the stuff they're doing. But, I mean, they have a huge property, a huge bit of property. A lot of that has to be held off for wetlands and things like that. So I don't know where else they could expand, but... Gotcha. Yeah, and then uh, the one last thing that you were talking about, money, um, that Star Wars hotel price tag. Um, we'll have to see <laughs> oh, yeah. how, how that shakes out, too, because when that opens— Are you going to stay? Uh, I, I'd like to someday, but in, unless I can get a coupon, I'm not really sure I'm going to be able to swing it. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know about doing the whole—I don't know how I would feel being in that whole experience for 48 hours, you know? A little too much. I mean, yeah, I just— I, I used to work in a building with no windows, and when you get that dis, you know disorientation, I don't know how I'd feel about it. You know, the room has no windows and no doors. <laughs> that you know, my my little guy loves that ride. <laughs> so that transfers into this last three things. What are your what's your favorite memory? Your favorite restaurant and your favorite ride at Disney World? Wow, at Disney World, not not Disney yeah. Parks, but Let's, Disney World. Well, well, let's do Disney World and Disneyland. Go, go crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know what? For me, that's really hard. I think that's when somebody asks you what your favorite movie is and, and all that. So, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, favorite memory, I have several. But, you know, I, again, I used to work there. So I have a great memory of, uh, you know, closing up at Epcot, getting out of my uh, costume, running over to the Magic Kingdom and riding Splash Mountain as many times as I could. Um, like in one night that, that always was a fun memory for me to be able to do that. Um, <clears throat> you know, seeing the last illuminations reflections of earth with, uh, with WDWNT, that was a great one. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, going there with, with my parents and with my kids, I have a lot of great memories in both of those. So, um, that's, that's a really hard one to pick out, but you know, again, I think that, yeah. that that's that probably covers that question. The attraction you know, Splash Mountain's always been a favorite of mine, and I know that's one that's going to be renovated soon. So I'm I'm okay with that as long as what they put there is as good, or if not better, uh, than what's there now. And it's going to become a Princess and the Frog attraction. So I think as long as they do it justice, that'll be okay. Um, you know, I was a huge fan of the Great Movie Ride. That's gone. You know, that's kind of sad to me that that's something that you know that I won't be able to go back to you know experience again but i think currently my my favorite attraction there has got to be rise of of the resistance and part of that is that i'm a star wars fan but part of it is always also the technology that's involved with it which also causes it to break down sometimes and you know and so on and so forth but i i think rise is probably the best attraction there Okay, cool. And then what, and was there a restaurant? Is that what you said? Yeah, what's your favorite, like, restaurant? You know, Liberty property? Tree Tavern has, has always been one of my favorites. Uh, you know, it used to be, back in the day, it was um, a, a character meal, but now it's just a fam- okay. family-style meal, and it's in the Magic Kingdom in Liberty Square. And you go in and you get what's called the Patriot's Platter, and you get, like, all you can eat with, you know, all these different meats and sides. And, you know, they do that in other places, but there's something very quaint about the uh, Liberty Tree Tavern, and then also, you know, the food is really good there. So, I mean, that's probably it. it was like, that's my favorite sit-down restaurant. Quick serve would probably be Satouli Canteen uh, at um, at Animal Kingdom in the uh, Pandora, the World of Avatar. Uh, they just, I don't know, there's something about the, the cheeseburger pods there that I really love. <laughs> and I, I, I lied. I got one more. Okay. If you got somebody who's making their first trip 
now mm. to Disney with the 50th anniversary. What's the one thing you would tell them to do? Whew. That, like, must do. You can't leave until you do it. Wow. And you've never been before? And there's one, never th- been and before. There's one thing you have to do? This is your this is your magical first trip there to celebrate the fiftieth and celebrate Disney. So let me tell you why that's tough is that I would have said um, happily ever after because that fireworks yeah. show encapsulates everything that touches your heart with Disney. Uh, it pulls okay. all the heartstrings, and you know mm-hmm. that I just I think that that's a very and we've used the term very magical experience. Um, and so I hope Enchantment, the new fireworks show, is that for somebody. Um, you know, there's a lot of things you can do there, like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, but it's a roller coaster and maybe not for everybody. Um, you know, you can't do the character experiences the traditional way yet, and hopefully that returns someday where you could actually hug Mickey Mouse. Um, so it depends on who you were and what you were do- what you were going to do, but I think that that happily ever after fireworks moment at the end of the night, the kiss goodnight when you're there with the sea of humanity, which some people <laughs> have problems with still, um, and just watching, you know, as a as as a group of fans and kind of seeing your uh, your happily ever after acted out on the projections on the castle and the fireworks in the air. It was it was definitely that that tingle of Disney magic that makes the difference between a Disney park and any other park in the world. And so I, I would say that that moment, if you had that moment, would be the one to do. I think there are a lot of traditional attractions like Haunted Mansion, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, It's a Small World, that feel like no-brainers for everybody, that they should do those. Yeah. But I, I think if you just had that one moment, that would be the one. Awesome, man. Well, let everybody know where they can find you on the uh, World Wide Web. Yeah, so uh, if you go to uh, com, which is WaltDisneyWorldNewsToday.com, but WDWNT. Uh, you can find all of the latest news for parks and information that you could possibly want. Uh, and then we also have a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash WDWNT, where you can find Park Center every Sunday night at 8 p.m. And then also we have a the only comedy variety show for Disney fans on Thursday nights called WDW News Tonight. Uh, it's on uh, nine o'clock on Thursday. So there's a lot of good content for you if you if you just want to read what's going on in the Disney community. We've got that on our website. Uh, if you want entertainment, we pretty much have a show every night. So um, there's a lot of different stuff to take in. But um, you know, hopefully, hopefully people will give it a try. Well, I'll, I'll just say, Rob, that you know, like you said, if people need a Disney World or a Disney Masters. WDWNT is a great place to uh, enroll. So, uh, <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no problem. I enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us today. To continue the conversation, visit us at our blog, financial-recon.com. Appearances do not constitute endorsement of flagship wealth management group, LPL Financial, or any other entity discussed in this program. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. 
All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Rob Whiteside, WDWNT are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Flagship Wealth Management Group.